where we are. Um, this will be the last in the series of sermons that I've been preaching about. Um, kind of, I guess we're kind of thinking about once you're saved, now what do I do, right? Because there's so many times, as Brother Dennis testified, that we see people get saved, and then it's just kind of like good luck, right? I hope you make it okay, or show up for church, and we'll be, you know, we'll hug you and be a friend to you. But but beyond that, you don't really know. Thank you, brother. We don't really know. Um, what to do, and we're trying to preach this series of messages that that we could give to people when they when they're born again that would, that they could take and listen to and really kind of grow as disciples in Christ. And so, hopefully, we'll conclude that today with just this short message. And and uh, really, the Lord has given it's really short. Uh, um, I, I keep emphasizing that because if you're visiting with us, normally my messages aren't always that short. Uh, but but today it is, and we started with one called biblical Christianity, and then we then we went to how to be a man of God, and then we went to how to be a woman of God, and then we went to our new citizenship, right? Like how to have an eternal focus instead of a focus on all the temporary things of the world, and then we talked about how to stay in love with the Lord even in the last days when it's hard, like we're living in now, and then we talked about the importance of the Bible <laughs> and how to read the Bible. And we talked about like practical ways that we can read and study and grow and learn instead of just saying, read it, how should I read it? And last week we talked about the importance of the church and why you should be a part of it, that local church. And then today I want to talk to you about how to share your faith um, and, and how to get started in that. So I'll be as quick as I can. Um, I hope you're thinking about staying and eating dinner with us. Um, I hope, I don't know if you, can you guys stay in with us? No? That's your granddaughter right away. Uh, she was like, no, we got to go. I, I feel really bad because um, when Dennis said his dad was preaching his first sermon, I thought, man, he should have went to hear his dad's first sermon. Uh, but I'm so thankful that he chose to be with us and to share his testimony with us. It really blesses our heart. Go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Let me give you some backstory. In Acts chapter 3, um, you've got uh, Peter and John going to the temple. And on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer, there's a, there's a beggar laying there, right? A man who's crippled from birth. He's 40-some years old. He's crippled from birth. He's laying at the temple. So he survives by begging. Um, that's what he has to do. And so he, he, he's laying at the gate called Beautiful. And he's begging. Peter walks by and, and, and the man asks for some money. And, and, and Peter said, look, silver and gold, I don't have. I don't have that. But what I do have, I'll give to you. And he said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand, lifted him up, and immediately the Bible says the man's ankles gained strength. And he began to leap and to praise God. Um, and so when, when, when that happened, that, opened, that got everybody's attention, and that opened the door for Peter to begin to preach the gospel there at the temple. And so Peter does that in Acts chapter 3. He, he preaches there at the temple. And, 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 and of course, when he does that, um, we go into Acts chapter 4 and we'll see that it really upsets the powers that be, right, at the temple. So let's look in Acts chapter 4. I am going to read, I know I said it'd be short, I am going to read 31 verses, but I'll read it quick. <laughs> now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That's what they were preaching. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed. 
And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many of were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen? Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against him. But when they had commanded them to go outside, out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them in and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you can tell us. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them, so that when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, You are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of Your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Amen? Amen. Powerful scripture. Very, very powerful. I know it was a lot of reading, right? But I wanted you to see from Scripture very plainly, very easily, that when we're willing to proclaim the name of Jesus in the world, 
the power of God will be with us. When we're willing to proclaim that, God's power will be there. Now listen, when I say God's power will be with us, I want you to notice a few quick things. Number one, God's power being with them didn't keep them from being arrested. God's power didn't keep them from being threatened. God's power didn't... And listen, even later on down the line, Peter, that same Peter that said those words there, was crucified and killed upside down. God's power didn't keep them from dying. Neither will God's power keep us from facing persecution. Amen? Amen. Amen. Neither will it keep us from hardships. Neither will it keep us from difficulties. You can rest assured, if you go out to speak the name of Jesus and to spread the gospel and to do the work of God, you will face persecution. You will face difficulties. Everything won't always go smoothly. And easily. You will face all these things, right? You will be separated. But what's amazing about Peter here and, and, and about these men is that the Spirit of God, and when I say the power of God, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The Spirit of God was with them every step of the way. You remember what they said? What Jesus said? He said, uh, Go and tarry until you receive power. From on high. What was the power that came? The Holy Spirit. Right? When we talk about the power of God, we're talking about the Spirit of God. It was the Spirit of God that allowed Peter to do that miracle in the first place. Peter had no ability to heal a man that was lame. There was nothing about Peter that could do that. It was the Holy Spirit that was within Peter that allowed Peter to be able to do that. It was the Spirit of God that gave him the words to speak after the healing. It was the Spirit of God that drew 5,000 men to believe as he preached. It's the Spirit of God that does all the work. Yeah. When, we talk about, when we talk about sharing our faith, you've got to have an ultimate confidence that you're right. If you get nervous and you say, I can't do it, you're right, you can't. But the Spirit of God that lives in a believer can't. He can do anything. He's not limited by anything. And that promise, you say, well, that was different for the apostles. That very promise in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, Peter said to the people that was listening, he said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off. That's us. As many as the Lord our God will call. We have that... You've got to understand that, that you... I don't know how to say it any different, right? You've got the same Spirit living in you that Peter had in him when this happened. There's nothing any different about the Spirit you have. He's not lost any power. He's not lost any ability. He's not... Nothing any different. You've got the same thing that these men had that we read about. That same Spirit that allowed Peter to say those things that he said, uh, 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 and, and listen, uh, you, let, me, let me make a clarifying statement. You've got that Spirit if you've been born again. Not if you haven't. It's for born again believers. That's the promise. That that Spirit... There's no reason why you cannot reach your family. 
That you cannot be a, a, a testimony to your school, to your workplace. That you can't be a testimony in your church. Do you know that in every church sitting around this county today, there's people sitting in it that's lost? Just because they're in there doesn't make them saved. Amen? They're sitting in there and they're lost. You can, be a, you can, you can have a, a, a testimony there at school, at work, at the job, in the community. No matter where you go, that Spirit will allow you to testify, to do great works, to do all kinds of wonderful things in the name of Jesus to be able to reach the lost and to bring them in. It's possible. It's very possible. And I say all that to you right now so that I hope I can convince you of this one thing. Right? Don't be one of those Christians who, who convince themselves that, well, I'm not called to share my faith. Every Christian's called to share their faith. Every single Christian is called to do that. Well, I don't feel led. I don't, I don't care about that. You don't have to feel led. You've been led by the Spirit of God in the Word He tells us to do this. I've told you time, and I, I try to tell you as much as I can, right? time and time again, so to speak, <coughs> is that Christianity is not all feeling based. There's fact based Christianity, right? I can look at the Bible and you can say, well, I just don't feel like I should have to forgive this person. It doesn't matter how you feel. The Scripture says we're to forgive. Amen. Right? So it's not about feeling. It's about what we know to be fact. Right? It's, it's those things that we can hold to. Right? And I can assure you for a fact that you're called to share your faith with those that are around you and those that God puts in your path. You say, well, I'm just not called to be a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher to share your faith. You don't have to be a preacher to do any of those great works. You the, the, the work of God is not just for preachers. It's for all believers. You know what you got? You know what you do have to have? You have to have a willingness to learn. You gotta have a willingness to trust God. You've got to have a willingness to be used by God. Amen. And if you've got those things, you there's you can do anything. Amen. There's nothing you can't do. Let me hit a few quick points this morning. My favorite part of that story about, about Peter and John going to that to the temple there was what Peter said. If you ever get a chance, you can go back and underline in your Bible Acts 3 and 6. When, when, when Peter says, what I have, I give unto you. That, that's those words you should commit to your heart, to memory. What I have, I will give to you. That's what this message is all about this morning. Giving to others what you have been given. Sharing with others what God has given to you. And, and listen, you may never be a part of some miraculous physical healing. Right? That, that's, that, that's great. But I'm going to tell you something this morning that I hope that, that makes sense to you is that a lot of times we read that, that account of what happened in the Scriptures and we miss the miracle. We really miss what the miracle is, right? Uh, we, we say the miracle was when the lame man got up and, and his ankles were strengthened and his legs were strengthened and he walked. And that, that's awesome. But that's not the real miracle. The real miracle happens in, in verse 4, right? In verse 4 in chapter 4, when 5,000 people came to know Christ. That's the miracle of this story. Right? That's something, that's what, that's what really happened, right? The guy getting up and walking, that's fantastic. 
Right? Like I rejoice in that. It means that for the rest of his very short temporary life, he'll be able to do things that he was not able to do before. He'll be able to walk. He'll be able to work. He'll be able to go places that he's never seen. Do things that he's never done. I rejoice in that and I don't take away. But I think God performed that miracle for a purpose so that it grabbed everybody's attention so that Peter could share the gospel and that 5,000 men could be saved. I think it was it, it was good for the one. It was great for the thousands. And, it, it, and, and if seeing a lame man walk excites your heart more than hearing that 5,000 people were rescued from sin and death and hell, we may have our priorities mixed up. Amen? We may be focused too much on the temporary and not enough on the eternal. Right? I mean, honestly, think about it. Do you rejoice more today? And I'm, don't misunderstand. Right? Don't be like, well, now Bill's mad at us because we're happy that people get healed. Right? No, I'm not mad at you. Right? But do we rejoice more today when we hear somebody was healed from an illness, or do we rejoice more when we find out their soul was eternally saved through the blood of Jesus? One far outweighs the other. Let me tell you how to let me tell you kind of how to share this thing that you've been given. When when Peter said, What I have I give unto you, the most powerful thing that God has given you to share with others, and it's the first point in, in how I really want you to share your faith, is love. Love people. If you'll just love them, right? Romans chapter 5, verse 5, uh, the Bible says that that hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out or shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so we know that, right? All real evangelism starts, all real sharing of faith starts right there from the point of love. God has given us the same love that He loves us. He's given us so that we can love others. Amen? The same way. Right? It's the same way. That that love allows us to see the truth about people. That love allows us to see that people are lost, that people are broken, that people are on a wrong path. Right? That love should make it impossible for us to be okay with that. So the, the love that God has given us compels us to love others. Amen? Even if it's hard. And we, we confess and we, we, we can laugh about it because it's funny, but some people are hard to love. Amen? Some people are hard to love. But even the people that's hard to love, we're called to love. We're called to share our faith with, with those same people, to work hard, to lead them to Christ, to build a relationship with people that always don't want one. Even if it costs us something. Even if it means sacrifice. Even if it's hard, right? Does the Bible not teach us that we are to love our enemies? That we're to bless those that curse us. That we're to do good to those who despitefully use us. That we're to love our neighbor and to love each other. 
Didn't Jesus teach us that powerful message there in the book of John? Did He not say, Brothers, if you'll love each other, by this all men will know that you're My disciples. If you have love, one for another. So we take this love that God has given us and we pour it out on each other. We pour it out to each other in the church. We pour it out to the people in the world. We give of ourselves. Who's the example of that? Christ! Who poured Himself out. Made Himself as an offering. We, now we take this, we take up that mantle and we say, we say, God, you poured yourself out as an offering. Let me pour myself out as an offering. Use me. Give me the ability to share my faith and to do all these things. I think about how Jesus, he would, he would go into a town. And the Bible says when he would go into a town, he would have compassion on them. He would heal their sick. He, he, would, he would take the blind and make them to see. He did all these great works, right? He'd even raise their dead sometimes. All, right, I mean, all these great works He would do right in the midst of them. Why did He do those things? What, he did it for two reasons, right? To glorify God. First and foremost, everything He done was to glorify God. Everything. But second, He did it because He loved them. He loved them. And that's important. I think about that story where he's traveling and he tells his disciples, he said, look, I have to go through Samaria. And they say, wait, 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 that's kind of out of the way. Right? That's, that's, we don't need to be going over there. He said, I must be, I've got to go through Samaria. All for one woman at a well so that he could talk to her and that she would believe. The Bible says he leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. Amen? Hey, you were the one. I was the one. And if you're born again, at some point in your life, God has left the 99 and came after you. Amen? And I'm thankful for that this morning. I'm very grateful this morning that God would do that for me. It makes me want to be a part of the search team to go out and get the next one. Amen? I want to help him go find the next one. As our brother said, he doesn't need my help. I just want to help. He can do it without me. But I don't want him to. I want to be a part. If you want to lead people to Jesus, start by loving them, right? What does 1 Corinthians 13 tell us? Paul said, if I speak, and I'm going to summarize it, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, it profits nothing. If I can move mountains, if I can speak all mysteries, if I understood all prophecy, if I, if I had all faith and do all of these things, if I have not love, it doesn't mean anything. Amen? And then it tells us what that love looks like. Like it's patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it's not jealous, it doesn't parade itself, it's not puffed up and arrogant, it's not, it doesn't behave rudely, it doesn't seek its own. In other words, it's not selfish, it's not, it's not easily angered, it doesn't think evil, it rejoices in, in, in truth and does not rejoice in iniquity, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and it never fails. And what Paul just told us was in that master class of love there, he basically said you could have the greatest debate techniques. 
Right? Like you can be the, the you can know how to answer every hard question that'll come your way. You can be some spiritual giant full of faith, but if you can't love people at the core, it won't do you any good. You can have it all figured out. You can have all the answers, but nobody wants to listen if you can't love them. Love is where it's at, guys. When it comes to witness, and that's the first place to look to, right? People respond to love. People respond to being cared about. When they feel like you care about them, they will hear what you have to say. They may not always jump in and believe it right away, but they will at least listen. People who love are patient. They're kind. They're friendly. They're forgiving. They're not arrogant and rude and mean and jealous and selfish. If you're any of those things, you're going to have a hard time winning people to Christ because they're going to look at your life and they're going to say, I don't know that I really want your Jesus. He seems to make you rude and mean and selfish. Amen? I want the one where somebody says, they're like, look, I did everything I could to hurt this guy. He keeps loving me. i got to figure out how he does that. Because it's not the guy. It's the God that's living inside the guy. Amen? That's what we've got to have. We've got to get to that place where we think that way, right? Where when somebody's mean, we don't let that bother us. When somebody's hurtful, we don't worry about it. When they curse us, we bless them. We've got to put love into action and then people will hear about our faith. Now that's the first step. Second thing is, I'm making good time. You know, it don't feel like it to you, but I <laughs> be sensitive to the Spirit, right? So if you're going to start to witness, be sensitive to what God says. And the way to do that is to be prayed up and prepared. Yeah. Right? It's to really be prayed up and prepared. It's never wrong to share your faith. But there are times when people are more receptive to it than others. And you need to be sensitive to that. I always rejoice when somebody shares their faith. It doesn't make me mad. But there are those opportunities when the Holy Spirit has worked and went before you and opened the door to that person's heart so that you can really get in there. And as Christians, we've got to pay attention to that. We've got to be on the lookout for that. Be listening for the Spirit to prompt you, right? We know the voice of God's not limited to our ears. We know it in here, right? There's times when uh, I, I may be helping at the water ministry, and, 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 and this has happened a lot, and, some, and, and somebody will walk by, and you give them a cup of water, or you give them a, a, a bottle of water, and when you do, it's almost like you feel God saying, you need to talk to that person. You're going to have to, you know, the water's good. Now talk to them, Right? Uh, and, 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 and sometimes it'll just be in a question, right? Like I, I, I generally will ask and I'll, I'll just come out and ask. I'm like, are you a Christian? I get to the point, right? Uh, are you a Christian? And you get all this wide variety of answers. Some say, yes, I'm a Christian, right? They rejoice with you. And others say, no. Uh, I had a guy the last time we went who said, uh, I think I'm going to be soon. I've had him say, I used to be, but I'm not now. Uh, I am almost a Christian. I've heard them all. But it opens the door to talk. Right? And, and, and all it took was to show a little love by giving them a cold bottle of water on a hot day and they'll let me ask that question. Right? If I just walked up to them randomly and said, hey, are you a Christian? Who knows what would happen? Right? But I give them a little bottle of water and then they're like, hey, the guy gave me water. I got to listen to this. 
things. Right? Uh, and, so, and, and so it helps, right? A little love goes a long way. That's free. Not even the water we give away at the flame You've got to hear me sometimes. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes it's a lot more personal than that. And I, I rejoice in those times when, when you can feel the Spirit and He opens the door to witness to somebody that you're really close to. Your family that you've been trying to see saved. Or, or your friends or the people you work with day in and day out where you work and you've, you've been praying for them and you're hoping to see them saved and the Spirit comes in before you and you can just feel it. And, he's, and it's, the door's open for you to, to really work in them a little bit and to do some, to do some seed planting or some watering. And I, I really do thank God for those times when He does that. And we need to pray for God to do that more and more. We need to be praying right for those opportunities that God would open people's hearts, that they would be willing to listen, that He would He would speak so clearly to us that we would know the very thing that we need to say. That we want God to do the all the work, right? And we'll we'll just be a willing participant, right? But I want the Spirit working on somebody a long time before I speak to them, because I'm not smart enough to leave them. But God is. But God is. Don't ever underestimate. Leah sung and it's not by coincidence. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. When you, when you go before and you plow in prayer, it makes a big difference. You do a lot of ground breaking up in prayer and then you can come through and get the seed. <coughs> uh, if, if you can just go out and throw seed on a hard pan it won't get very far. When you love people and you're praying for them, God's working. God is working. God will move on. You've got to pray for yourself too. Don't forget what Peter said. Right? Peter, Peter said, hey, give your servants boldness that we can speak the truth in spite of all the threatenings and all those things. So you've got to pray for that too. Right? You've got to ask those things. And then you've got to be prepared. I'm almost done. Right? What's 1 Peter 3.15 tell us? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In other words, be ready to answer people when they have a question. Be prepared. You'll, I don't know that any of us are prepared for everything people come up with. I've been asking lots of crazy stuff. But we can be prepared for the ones we know are coming. Generally, you get the same questions, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? By now, you should be able to answer that, right? What, 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 why does God let people die? Right? If God is so good, then why does, why does, this bad, why does death happen? Right? Uh, uh, why didn't God make it so we couldn't sin? You get that one all the time. If God can do anything, why didn't He just keep us from sinning in the first place? Right? You should be able to answer that. Why Christianity? Right? That's a tough one. It takes study. It takes work. It takes, it takes preparation. But you know what? You've got this big giant book in front of you that's got the answers in it. You've got to read it. You've got to study it. And then, now you're blessed to live in a time where you can go home and get on your computer and pull up Amazon and there's lots of smart people who have wrote whole books about those questions that you can order for a book and read. And have the answer. Amen? You've got to be willing to do it. Amen? You've got to be willing to get prepared. I always rejoice when people say, they call and say, Brother Bill, you know, will you talk to so-and-so? I'm happy to do that. 
But I want you to feel so confident that you can talk to them. Because the odds of me, because people get, they get weird. Right? And when you say, well, let me have my pastor talk, they're like, ugh. No, no, no. He's like a, he's like a car salesman. I, I don't. I, I know. If he calls me, I know I'll be on the phone for two hours, and he's going to tell me a bunch of stuff I don't really care about. But, but they'll hear it from you because they know you and they love you. I'm happy to come alongside and help every way I can. And I know I got to get finished up. Love, pray, prepare, and then lastly, you heard from Brother Dennis's testimony. Be willing to go. Be willing to move when the time to move is now. Just be willing, right? You can love, you can pray, you can prepare, but when the call comes and when God says, I want you to do this thing, if you're not willing to go, it's kind of off or not. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You've got to be willing to go, right? You've got to have the boldness to step out in faith and, 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 and get uncomfortable. We love comfort. Amen? Amen? We like routine. We like comfort. We like safety and security. And you think about all the things we do to make our, our, our lives safe and secure and comfortable. Right? God likes to break those things up. He likes to shake those things in us. He likes us to get uncomfortable because that's when we grow. That's when we trust in Him. That's when faith becomes more than words. It becomes action. Right? When God breaks that up in us and He says, I tell you what, I know you like this and I know you like to live in Bristol and I know you like to be you know, I know you like to be an evangelist or I know you like to do this or that. And He breaks it up and He says, but I need you to do this. That's when faith put to the test. Amen. And you decide whether or not you're a talker about faith or a doer of faith. Amen? I want to be a doer. It may just be, it may just be something small like just... Go speak to somebody in your family. Or maybe it's to go to a friend or share your testimony. Or maybe it's something as simple as somebody that you that you hated growing up and they hated you is that God wants you to go find that person and say, hey, I'm sorry. And I want to tell you about Jesus. It may be something that's just... It, it, it may be go to a different country. It may be go to a jungle somewhere, right? It, 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 it may be to go preach on the street, or to, it may be a calling to preach, or a calling to pastor. You know, God called Dennis and Amanda and their family to the camp. They weren't expecting that. That wasn't their plan. God called me and Shasta and the boys to this church. It wasn't an expectation. It wasn't my plan. Right? God will call you. Guaranteed fact, if you make yourself usable... God will use you. If you'll allow yourself to be used, if you're willing to go, God will send. God's got lots of work to be done. Amen? There's no shortage of work in the kingdom of God. There is, however, a shortage of laborers. Jesus said the same thing. Right? The fields are white. They're ready for harvest. There's all kinds of lost people out there in the world that need Jesus. There's all kinds of great works to do in the name of Jesus out there. He said it's not the fact that God ain't got nothing for you to do. It's that there ain't enough people to do what needs to be done. So he said, go pray that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers. That's who we are as believers. Laborers in the harvest. This life, let me sum it up this way. This life is so temporary. 
And the longer I live, the more temporary it becomes. Right? Uh, and, and the more I see that it's it's going by at a much faster rate than what I could have ever anticipated. When I was young, it drug on and on. And I couldn't wait to be older. And I couldn't wait for the next phase of life. And now I'm like, whoa. We've got to pull, find a way to pull this thing back. Right? I'm, I'm quickly expiring. Right? Uh, and I've I got to get it back. Right? There ain't no getting it back. There's, you can't go get it back again. At the end of the day, we have the time we have. And it's very temporary. And it's very important that we live it well. Because it will determine some things about our eternity. I want to get to heaven knowing. And I listen, I'll go to heaven by God's grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going. Not by my works. Not by my testimony. Not by my ministry. None of those things will get me to heaven. The blood of Jesus, that will get me there. Right? But, I want to get there and I want to have some things to show for myself. I want to, have, I want to be able to stand before God and say, God, I messed up a lot, but I love people because you told me to. And God, I didn't always get it right, but when you told me to go, I packed it up and I went. And when you said move, I moved. And when you said stay, I stayed. And whatever you wanted me to do, I tried to be obedient to that. And I believe God is honored in that. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to feet. It was like 25 minutes. I was very close to my 20 minutes that I spoke. I love you. I rejoice in the fact that we have a God who loves us. I know that there are people sitting in this church today who need Him. And I know I didn't preach some compelling message to the lost. I didn't. But I know I don't have to. Because I know that long before I spoke the Word, God's Spirit does the work for salvation. You may, have, you may have stumbled your way into this church today and you needed something. You needed to be saved. Or maybe you needed to rededicate your life to Christ. Or maybe you just needed to pray. I don't know what your need is. But I know the God who knows what your need is. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Are you here this morning and you're lost? You don't know Christ. You don't have God. You're not saved. You're not born again. You don't have the Holy Spirit. And you want to be saved? I want to encourage you to step out from where you are and come and kneel down. And let's pray together and let's ask God to do a work in you that will change your whole world. It's going to change everything about you. If you need that today, you want that, that new start, people are always looking for a new start. I found where to get it. Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. I found that to be the truth. I am not the same person I 